Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Hit Parade listeners. What you're about to hear is part one of this episode. Part two will arrive in your podcast feed at the end of the month. Would you like to hear this episode all at once, the day it drops? Sign up for Slate Plus. It supports not only this show, but all of Slate's acclaimed journalism and podcasts. Just go to slate.com slash hitparadeplus. You'll get to hear every Hit Parade episode in full the day it arrives. Plus, Hit Parade The Bridge, our bonus episodes, with guest interviews, deeper dives on our episode topics, and pop chart trivia. Once again, to join, that's slate.com slash hitparadeplus. Thanks. And now, please enjoy part one of this Hit Parade episode. Welcome to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Melanfi, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number One series. On today's show, just a few weeks ago, during the holiday season of 2022, the music world bid farewell to a rock legend. Someone not as flashy as Prince or David Bowie, or even a group's front person. At least not the regular front person. Indeed, most obituaries of this deceased legend pointed out how self-effacing and even a bit shy she was. But make no mistake, she was a powerhouse. I'm talking about Fleetwood Mac singer, songwriter, and keyboardist Christine McVie, who passed away at age 79. Fleetwood Mac are one of the most successful, best-selling, and hit-generating groups in chart history. And generally, their story is centered around the moment in the mid-70s when two other singer-songwriters with outsized personalities joined the group. Vocalist Stevie Nicks... and guitarist and studio whiz, Lindsey Buckingham. Could, 
Indeed, this moment in the Max history should not be underestimated. When Nix and Buckingham joined the group, they were indeed transformed into multi-platinum superstars. But here's the little secret about Fleetwood Mac. Christine McVie was the group's most reliable hitmaker. McVie's singles were more plentiful and, on more than one Mac album, higher charting, and she kept writing hits during the band's occasional fallow periods. She was scoring hits as far back as the 1960s, when she was still known by her birth name, Christine Perfect. And when she joined Fleetwood Mac in its early days, when it was primarily known as a bluesy guitar rock act, McVie's singing and songwriting helped carry the band through a long commercial downturn in the early 70s. And when Fleetwood Mac became a commercial juggernaut after Buckingham and Nix's arrival, McVie was writing songs that would turn into generational anthems. Today on Hit Parade, we will tell the story of not only Fleetwood Mac, but the songwriter who was, quietly, its chart-conquering jukebox. Maybe Christine McVie didn't have the Hall of Fame-level solo career of her friend and bandmate Stevie Nicks, only releasing a few hits under her own name. But the many songs she bequeathed to the Mac have gone down in history as among their best-remembered classics, including a hit that cracked the top 30 exactly 35 years ago this week. That's where your hit parade marches today, the week ending January 16, 1988, when Fleetwood Mac's Everywhere, written by Christine McVie, cracked the top 30 on the Hot 100 on its way to a number 14 peak. That chart peak rather understates the legacy of this song which now ranks among the Mac's most acclaimed hits and biggest radio staples. It made McVie the biggest hitmaker from Fleetwood Mac's Tango in the Night album, not the first LP where that had occurred. And it kicked off yet another period where the band was kept alive and on the charts by the former Christine Perfect. 
talk about living up to a name, Christine did indeed frequently attain pop perfection. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ever think those fables and fairy tales from back in the day are just a little bit dusty? Wondery and Tinkercast are bringing you a new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Join host DJ Fuchs and his trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as they deliver remixes of fables and folktales, rhythm and rhymes, and fun spins on classics as old as time. Grab the whole family and get ready to groove because they're putting the rap in Rapunzel and getting down with that funky duckling. Where hip-hop and fables meet, it's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all episodes of Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. If you will permit me a brief detour, this is Runnin' With The Devil, a number 84 single from Van Halen's smash self-titled 1978 debut album. Van Halen were legendary for the guitar pyrotechnics of the band's late legend and namesake, Eddie Van Halen. But I'm not playing Runnin' With The Devil to showcase Eddie's guitar work or brother Alex Van Halen's explosive drumming, or even showboating frontman David Lee Roth, I'd like you to focus for a moment on this song's secret weapon, the band's bassist and harmony vocalist Michael Anthony. On the song's piercing chorus, you can clearly hear Anthony chiming in with Diamond Dave. Devoted fans have argued Michael Anthony was the X-Factor that made Van Halen cohere as a band. Online magazine Ultimate Classic Rock calls Anthony not only, quote, criminally underrated, but also the, quote, beloved gentleman rocker behind Van Halen's distinctive sound, unquote. Michael Anthony was quite literally the least flashy member of that band. Think about whom he was competing with. But his bass lines, and especially his keening vocals, gave Van Halen's songs their atmosphere. His sound even tied together the band's David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar periods. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
One more quick detour. Here's Other Side, a number one modern rock, number 14 pop hit in 2000 for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The showiest parts of this song are the lead vocals of Anthony Kiedis and the deep bass line provided by famed bassist Flea. The Chili Peppers are a rare band whose bassist is the leading instrumentalist. But what makes the song enveloping are the trippy guitars and harmony vocals of the Chili Peppers' secret weapon, their on-again, off-again guitarist, John Frusciante. I'll be honest, I am only intermittently a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, but whenever I do enjoy their music, almost certainly John Frusciante is in the band. A Rolling Stone article celebrating Frusciante's latest return to the Chili Peppers in 2019 calls him, quote, a crucial collaborator adding guitar solo grandeur, harmonic sunshine, and psychedelic flavor. For most fans, Frusciante's presence is what marks the difference between classic Chili Peppers and everything else, unquote. I couldn't agree more. He is the secret sauce that makes that band taste right. Neither Michael Anthony nor John Frusciante is a perfect analog to the main focus of this hit parade episode, Christine McVie. For starters, McVie was often a lead vocalist for Fleetwood Mac. And while those two gentlemen earned songwriting credits with their bands, when McVie wrote a song, she generally wrote it alone. Nonetheless, even though Christine McVie was a sometime frontwoman, I often think of these underappreciated sidemen when I think of her. Self-effacing to a fault, McVie was often the person off to the side in Fleetwood Mac photographs, or talking the least in interviews. A few days after she died on November 30th, 2022, bandmate Stevie Nicks revealed that the rest of Fleetwood Mac hadn't even known McVie was ill until immediately before her death. McVie was not the kind to trouble the world with her drama, which is saying something when the band is Fleetwood Mac. This podcast episode is going to touch only lightly upon Fleetwood Mac's infamous drama, the fractious breakups, betrayals, recriminations, addictions, and soap opera quality plot twists that helped make 1977's Rumors album a blockbuster, and that has fueled nearly a half century of media hype. 
if you need more of that salaciousness, go check out everything from back issues of Rolling Stone magazine to VH1's Behind the Music. My main interest in the Max melodramatics is how it came out in the songs. With Fleetwood Mac, you are hearing the highly charged perspectives of three independent-minded singer-songwriters, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, and, yes, Christine McVie. Not many bands take this triumvirate approach to songwriting. The structure of Fleetwood Mac heightened the band's drama. To make another analogy, the only other major hit-making band I can think of with that much drama and three singer-songwriters that prolific was, well, the Beatles. And even George Harrison, who infamously left the group in a huff during 1969's Get Back Sessions, didn't write songs as nakedly wounded as the Fleetwood Mac trio did. Again, there is no perfect analog for Christine McVie in Fleetwood Mac. She's not exactly the band's George Harrison. because she was there before Buckingham and Nicks came on the scene. She has elements of John Lennon's bluesy rock and Paul McCartney's melodicism, but neither of those approaches captures her skill exactly. The woman born Christine Perfect on July 12, 1943, was a one of one and she was scoring hits before she even joined Fleetwood Mac. Well, I'm leaving you now And the train is moving down the track By the time she was 25, Christine Ann Perfect, born in the English hamlet of Bowth in Lancashire, had spent most of her young life practicing and performing music. Starting on piano at age four and classically trained by her teenage years, Perfect went to art college near Birmingham and immersed herself in its music scene. She played bass, yes, bass, with a local band called Sounds of Blue. And in 1968, after moving to London, Christine joined a spin-off of Sounds of Blue called Chicken Shack. You saw me, you saw me to the train. It was a good time to be a blues rock band in England, as acts like John Mayall's Blues Breakers and the Yardbirds were conquering the charts. By the way, speaking of the Yardbirds, rest in peace, Jeff Beck. Led by guitarist Stan Webb, Chicken Shack's first two albums cracked the British Top 20, and Christine Perfect's keyboard playing and vocals were all over those LPs. She even wrote the band's single, When the Train Comes Back, and its B-side, 
Hey Baby. Christine's vocal on Hey Baby was a particular highlight. By 1969, with Chicken Shack's second LP, OK Ken, cracking the UK top 10, for the band's next single, Christine felt brave enough to take on the American blues track I'd Rather Go Blind, made famous in 1967 by Etta James. Backed by Chicken Shack, Christine Perfect's I'd Rather Go Blind was a major hit, reaching number 14 on the UK chart in the early summer of 69. I would rather, I would rather go blind, boy. Voted Best Female Singer of 1969 by the readers of Melody Maker magazine, Christine Perfect was now more famous in England than Chicken Shack. Before 69 was over, she had recorded a solo album, one of only three solo LPs she would record in her lifetime, by the way. Christine liked being in bands. The self-titled Christine Perfect LP showcased her songwriting and her vocals. For heaven's sake But Christine Perfect wouldn't stay solo for long, professionally or personally. For one thing, she had a new last name. For another, she'd been recruited to play in another band, one she'd been crossing paths with for several years. And these guys were much bigger hitmakers than Chicken Shack. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Among the late 60s wave of British blues rock bands, Fleetwood Mac was one of the biggest. Formed in London by former members of John Mayall's Blues Breakers, the group was led, at first, by guitarist Peter Green. But it was named after its rhythm section a drummer named Mick Fleetwood, and a bassist named John Mack McVie. This has long been the paradox of Fleetwood Mac, 
Throughout its existence, it has showcased a parade of very accomplished lead guitar gods. But the only instrumentalists who have remained consistent and who are still the band's namesake are drummer Fleetwood and bassist McVie. Man, you To a large extent, Fleetwood and McVie shaped the band's sound. You could hear it on tracks from Fleetwood Mac's early days, like Rattlesnake Shake, where Fleetwood's drums and McVie's bass provide a foundation for Peter Green's guitar. Or, flashing ahead a decade, you could also hear it when guitarist Lindsey Buckingham fronted the group. Fleetwood and McVie's chugging stomp defines the sound of later Mac tracks like 1979's Tusk. We'll get back to that later hit-making era. As for the early Fleetwood Mac, what was also exceptional about them during the era of peak British blues rock was they didn't just sell tons of albums like The Blues Breakers or Ten Years After. Fleetwood Mac had hit singles, too. And I needed a woman to make me feel like a Hits like Man of the World, a 1969 number two UK hit, or, a year earlier, the original version of Black Magic Woman, written and sung by Peter Green. It broke the band on the British charts at number 37. I got a black magic woman I got a black magic woman And that was another thing. The early Fleetwood Mac was influential on their contemporaries. Black Magic Woman, of course, later became a top five U.S. hit for Latin rock band Santana. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. And in early 1969, when the green-fronted Fleetwood Mac scored their first British number one hit, the throbbing bluesy instrumental Albatross. Later that same year, the Beatles paid tribute on their Abbey Road album with the very Albatross-like John Lennon song Sun King. In later interviews, guitarist George Harrison admitted that Sun King was inspired by the then-recent Fleetwood Mac hit. By 1970, Fleetwood Mac was just starting to break in America. The catchy, psychedelic rock jam, Oh Well, not only hit number two in England, it cracked the Hot 100, where it reached number 55. But that was when another more pernicious running theme of Fleetwood Mac emerged, band turnover. 
Not long after, oh well, Peter Green departed the band he'd co-founded, leaving it in the hands of other members he'd recruited, including slide guitarist Jeremy Spencer. I believe I just and Danny Kerwin, a teenage prodigy whose playing was even trippier and more eclectic than Green's. You've got things to do, you move every day. I hope you don't mind, cause I'm coming your way. It was around this time that Christine Perfect began showing up at Fleetwood Mac's sessions, in part, that was because she had married bassist John McVie in 1968. But Fleetwood Mac, who'd crossed paths with Chicken Shack repeatedly on the blues rock live circuit, also recognized Christine's instrumental talent. She was an uncredited pianist on the 1969 Fleetwood Mac album, Then Play On. On her one solo album as Christine Perfect, she included a cover of a Danny Kerwin song called When You Say. Kerwin even played guitar on the track. When you say that you know of By 1970s Kiln House, the first Fleetwood Mac album fully led by Danny Kerwin. Christine McVie, who by now had taken John's name, had become integral to the band's sound, adding piano to tracks like the instrumental Earl Grey. She even drew the cover art for the Kiln House LP. Before the year was out, the group formally asked Christine McVie to join as a full member of Fleetwood Mac. She began contributing songs right away. On 1971's Future Games album, in addition to her vocals and keyboards, Christine penned the electric blues track Morning Rain. And the atmospheric Show Me a Smile. It was the first sign of Christine McVie's versatility and songwriting prowess, just as Fleetwood Mac was about to sink into a long commercial and professional wilderness period. For the next half decade, the band experienced even more turnover. In 1971, a disillusioned Jeremy Spencer left and joined a religious cult. Danny Kerwin would not last much longer. And the hit songs stopped on both sides of the Atlantic. Christine, 
without ever fully leading the band, would come to serve as its most stable presence, as they searched for a post-blues sound for the 70s. It was not an efficient process. Christine McVie led off 1972's Fleetwood Mac album Bare Trees. Its stark, desolate LP cover belied its rambunctious contents. The album earned near-universal critical acclaim as it combined the guitar musings of Danny Kerwin in his final LP with the group. plus the singer-songwriterly pop of Christine. Plus the contributions of Fleetwood Mac's newest member, American guitarist Bob Welch. He generated Bear Tree's catchiest single, the soft rock Sentimental Lady. But Fleetwood Mac were now so cold in this period that even Welch's alluring bop couldn't crack the charts. They were touring constantly to promote their albums, and tempers frayed. After a violent nervous breakdown in the summer of 72, Danny Kerwin was fired, which left Bob Welch and Christine McVie to take over primary songwriting duties and they tried expanding the Fleetwood Mac sound even further. On the next album, 1973's Penguin, Welch and McVie co-wrote the first single, the steel drum inflected Did You Ever Love Me? On her own, McVie delivered the LP's lead track, Remember Me. Later that same year, Welch and McVie wrote almost all of the Mystery to Me album, including Bob's fuzz rock Hypnotized, which won favor on album rock radio. And Christine's Just Crazy Love, which foreshadowed the Fleetwood Mac sound of the late 70s. In 1974, the band tried a change of scenery, moving from London to record in Los Angeles. Christine McVie adapted to her surroundings right away, on the title track to the acclaimed Heroes Are Hard to Find album. Christine was now consistently writing the band's lead singles, and Heroes Are Hard to Find was brass-inflected American-style pop. The hero, the hero, so hard 
Meanwhile, Heroes Are Hard to Find turned out to be the last album for Bob Welch, who was dealing with his own personal and professional issues. He left the group at the end of 1974. In short, through Jeremy Spencer, Danny Kerwin, and Bob Welch, Christine McVie had held Fleetwood Mac together in terms of songwriting and melodic development. With rare exception, each LP did a bit better than the last. In America, on Billboard's charts, Bear Trees hit number 70, Penguin, number 49, Heroes Are Hard to Find, number 34. And McVie's songwriting was shifting the Mac sound toward its destiny as purveyors of polished West Coast American pop. Not bad for a gal from Bow. So, you might say Christine McVie's greatest early 70s accomplishment was simply keeping Fleetwood Mac afloat until the fateful day in the fall of 1974 that Mick Fleetwood went scouting out LA's Sound City Studios for the Mac's next album and liked what he heard on the speaker system. album Fleetwood heard that day was called Buckingham Nicks. It had been recorded in Sound City the year before by a 23-year-old guitarist from Palo Alto named Lindsey Buckingham and a 25-year-old singer from Phoenix, Arizona named Stephanie or Stevie Nicks. Buckingham and Nix had been performing with each other since the late 60s when Lindsey got Stevie to sing lead with his psychedelic rock band, Fritz. Now a romantic couple, as well as musical partners, the duo recorded Buckingham Nicks with the cream of L.A. session players. But the album went nowhere failing to chart or generate any radio hits, despite the sturdiness of songs like the Knicks penned Crying in the Night. One year after the album flopped, Mick Fleetwood was visiting Sound City where the house engineer Keith Olsen played him a track he had recorded with the duo called Frozen Love. And Fleetwood was impressed. He was introduced to Lindsey Buckingham and, knowing Bob Welch was about to leave Fleetwood Mac, Mick offered Lindsay the lead guitarist job. Buckingham insisted that he and Nick's were a package deal. So Fleetwood agreed to hire Stevie as well. Fortunately, Nick's had more songs up her flowing lacy bell sleeves. Mm-hmm. 
covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky. Landslide was one of three songs Stevie Nicks contributed to Fleetwood Mac's 1975 album. In a move to reintroduce the band to the world, they titled the LP simply Fleetwood Mac, their second eponymous album after the band's self-titled 1968 blues rock debut. It was an appropriate title for the new LP, as the band were now reborn as pure California rock. Lindsey Buckingham not only contributed a couple of songs of his own, he quickly began writing and harmonizing with Christine McVie, who again had already refashioned her songwriting around the L.A. rock ethos. Together, Buckingham and McVie wrote and sang World Turning, a hard-driving country rock track that became a staple of Mac live shows for the next four decades. When it came time to choose a lead single for the Fleetwood Mac album, the band and their label, the Warner Brothers imprint Reprise, went with Christine McVie songs on both sides of the Atlantic. Again, she was still the band's flagship songwriter. In England, the lead single was Christine's mellow, Warm Ways. I can't sleep. And in America, the label chose the ethereally fuzzy Over My Head. Over My Head got Fleetwood Mac into the top 40 in America for the very first time. Casey Kasem counted it down. Here's a group that's been around for many, many years. They were formed back in the late 60s. Fleetwood Mac, they've had a few successful albums. This is their first American Top 40 hit. At number 36, Over My Head. But you can take me to paradise And then again you can be cold as ice I'm over my head Eventually, over My Head peaked at number 20 on the Hot 100 in January 1976, by which time the self-titled Fleetwood Mac album was six months old and had just barely cracked the top 40 on the album chart. The LP would prove to be a slow grower. Keep in mind, heretofore, Fleetwood Mac had never scored a gold or platinum album in America. For the second single, Fleetwood Mac went with a track by their newest member, Stevie Nicks, a song about a mythical Welsh witch that she called Rhiannon. Rhiannon got all the way to number 11 on the Hot 100 by June of 76. 
the eponymous Fleetwood Mac LP had cracked the top 10 on the album chart. For the third single, the one that would take the album the last mile, the label went with another Christine McVie song. Yep, two out of the three singles on Fleetwood Mac's Breakthrough LP were by McVie. It was the album's most up-tempo and possibly catchiest single, Say You Love Me. Like its predecessors, Say You Love Me broke into the top 20 on the singles chart, but the more important achievement was on the album chart, where the self-titled Fleetwood Mac LP went all the way to the top and set an unusual chart record. Now, the song from one of the strongest albums of the year. It's been on the Billboard LP chart for 58 weeks. And this week, after riding the chart for more than a year, it moves into the number one position. The album is called Sweetwood Mac. And this week, the third hit single from that album is at number 13 in American Top 40. Here it is, Fleetwood Mac with Say You Love Me. It was the longest climb to number one in Billboard album chart history to that date. By the way, to this day, the eponymous Fleetwood Mac still ranks third for slowest rise to the top, after the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack and a Kid Leroy album. Like Rhiannon, Say You Love Me ultimately peaked at number 11. In the UK, where the new Fleetwood Mac were even slower to break, Say You Love Me finally did the trick, cracking the British Top 40. At long last, thanks to the group's reconstituted sound with Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, and especially the pop songwriting prowess of Christine McVie, Fleetwood Mac were hitmakers on both sides of the Atlantic. In America, it was a little frustrating that the LP's two biggest hits, Rhiannon and Say You Love Me, had stopped at number 11. But the band would do better on their next album. A whole lot better. Fleetwood Mac wouldn't be missing the top 10 anymore. When we come back, rumors conquers record stores and the radio as Fleetwood Mac become the biggest band in the world. But down the road, interpersonal conflict would shake up the hit machine, leaving Christine McVie to, yet again, try to hold the band together. Non-Slate Plus listeners will hear the rest of this episode in two weeks. For now, I hope you've been enjoying this episode of Hit Parade. Our show was written, edited, and narrated by Chris Melanfi. That's me. My producer is Kevin Bendis. Derek John is executive producer of Narrative Podcasts, and Alicia Montgomery is VP of Audio for Slate Podcasts. Check out their roster of shows at slate.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe to Hit Parade wherever you get your podcasts, in addition to finding it in the Slate Culture feed. If you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us while you're there. 
It helps other listeners find the show. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to leading the hit parade back your way. We'll see you for part two in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep on marching on the one. I'm Chris Melanthi. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.